Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wait a minute. Let me do it again. Ladies and gentlemen. Walk down a dappled forest path. Verify that you are not carrying any iron objects. And step into the toadstool circle if you dare. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. With our powers combined, we are feckless moans. And here we are to talk tall to you. We will take a magical journey into the fairy realm of Progrock, searching for the mystic golden flute, riding on a massive, frothy black horse called Jethro Tull, only to be entrapped by the fairy queen herself, Ian Anderson. The frothy heavy horse. Every, oh, that's good. I know. Every song we listen to in this realm... A thousand years will pass in the, in the realm of the living. Every episode of Talk Tall to Me feels like that. That's right. <laughs> so this week we are on track number three off of War Child. That's right. It is ladies. Yes. Ladies. But we don't have anything just yet. We're waiting for the... Omen is waiting for the precise moment to calculate his strike to release the Rolling Stones review uh, upon upon all ears to to weep. Yes. So we're not we're not doing that this week. As Swinson said in The Art of War, the timing of the attack is everything. And he also said never read a Rolling Stones review right at the start of the album, because it's bad juju. Do, do you know what the the most important aspect of winning an attack is, Omen? What's that? Timing! Aha! <laughs> 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 Nick, before we jump into the episode, why don't you tell me about that frosty beverage you have in front of you? I have in front of me a a hard cider seltzer from the lovely Beacon Skiff Apple Orchard that is right a hop, skip, and a jump down from where I live. And it is it is from their 1911 brewery or distillery. I guess it'd be a distillery. A cidery? A cidery. But they all they also do gin and vodka and everything, all with, with apples. I'm 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 a cidery to talk about it. And this particular hard cider seltzer is part of the 110 project. The now, light the lighter side of cider. Oh. And this is the juicy mango flavor. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Would you like to tell me about the frosty beverage that I have in front of me? I would love nothing more. You are drinking a chocolate malted milkshake that with you gummy worms. You wash <laughs> Your mouth out with soap. How dare you slander me with the, the stain of sobriety. I I have, I picked up uh, the other day a spritzer bomb from Six Point Brewery located in uh, in Brooklyn, here in my fair city of New York. 
And it's delightful. It is a beer that is mixed with the juice of the Sauvignon Blanc grape. And uh, Nick, I do want to point out that you are drinking local. I'm drinking local. You know what they say. Drink local. Drink local. Think local. Think local. Stink local. Stink local. (laughs) Mink local. Shrink local. Mmm. That in, that concludes the beverage portion of our podcast. Is there is there oh cup of wonder? I'll throw in cup of wonder right here. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good, Nick. <laughs> and how about from there we jump right in? Unless we have anything else completely unrelated to avail our listeners with. Let us jump straight in to ladies. Jump into them, ladies. <laughs> Let's have a listen. <laughs> Well, Nick, that was a fragrant little ditty, was it not? I I sneezed several times while listening to it. It was <laughs> that's that's because of your allergies. I've told you oh, to go to the doctor. That's, that's right. It's a full three minute song, but it felt very it feels very short to me. You know, it does me as well, and I think that that is because it is composed in such a way where there's always a there's always a change right around the corner. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, not, not that it's not that it's disjointed at all because it's not, but the theme gets developed several times over the course of those three minutes, and so it it, it always feels fresh. It's a it's a very fresh song, Nick. And it's not it's not a terribly complicated song in terms of structure either, which I think probably lends to it just kind of flowing and and just kind of zipping right by. That's true. Although there is, I <laughs> wow. have to point out, I believe some kind of a a strange time signature, at least toward the oh, end there. I'm yeah, not, I'm not totally convinced as to what it is. In that that funk breakdown at the very end. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And before that, I think the whole thing is in one, two, three, one, two, three, one. It's in it's in either three or six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three. That's not. Th- oh, that's not a waltz, is it? Waltzes are in three. All waltzes are in three, but all but not all threes are waltzes. Yep. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that. It's the one thing I learned in school. As the saying goes, a three to the knee is waltz to the schmaltz. <laughs> yeah. S- super common. Super that's, common. That's what they say, Nick. I mean, I so believe let's, you. Let's, t- <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, about the musicality of this song. Yeah. That's, this... that's, that's the most intriguing part of this song for me is the musicality honestly well and this is this represents a kind of song that we have not seen in quite a while here on talk tall to me which is an all ian special Mm, okay or a mostly ian special at least yeah it's it is ian heavy sure it's ian heavy horses i mean the first bit is you know, once the once the actual guitar comes in, it's mm-hmm. Ian's acoustic guitar, Ian's flute, and Ian humming. Yeah, and it's lovely. This is the second song 
with Humming off of this album, which is another new regular aspect that we're seeing that we haven't really seen much up until this point. Yes. The the the, the first one we mentioned I mentioned last week was the the fade out. And we we have a fade out in this song as well. No, that's true. We're starting to see regular we're starting to see regular usage of these these mechanics, I guess for lack of a better term. Another fun technique that we have in this song, which we saw on War Child, the, the track, mm-hmm. is this use of ambient sound effects. Now, this mm-hmm. isn't the first time that we've seen this in Tull in general, but this album certainly is starting to employ it a lot more than we've seen in other places. It's very heavy, yeah. That, that diner scene opener. That once we get into bonus tracks, we'll definitely hear in Paradise Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. But and to... also trio quartet. Oh, maybe yeah. I forgot about that. Yes, I think you're right. Quartet. Did you have you ever? Did you growing up ever have like al- an album that was the soundtrack to a movie? Yes. I'm trying to think. Yes. Oh, yes. I certainly did. And when they when they do that, they would occasionally like if there's a part, if they're they're about to play a song that that featured in the movie specifically, sometimes they'll play like five ten seconds of the dialogue leading into that to kind of help you place it in the movie. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's that's what these little ambient noises to me feel like. It's like oh, in the movie, this would be happening here. Yeah, or in the case of the Christopher Reeve original Superman movie, they would have the entire spoken word section of Lois Lane saying the poem, Can You Read My Mind, with ambient music behind it. Wow. How... No, but okay. I can see the color of your underwear. Is is that in the movie? Do that you see her underpants? That isn't this. Yeah, she, she's interviewing him on the on the balcony, and she says, all right, well, if you can see through things, then what color are my underpants? And he says, well, I, I don't know, because you're standing behind a, a lead planter. And she's like, oh, okay. And she asks him a few more questions, and then she, she walks toward him, and he just suddenly says, pink. And she's like, what? And he's like, pink. And she goes and stands back behind the planter. <laughs> That's cute. Who, who makes planters out of lead, though? <laughs> The the Lead and Planter Company, I, I believe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. A, a branch of the Boiler Fluid Company, I'm sure. That's right. So, Nick, with this with this soundscape intro, with this mm-hmm. sort of scene, this this auditory scenery, as it were, for me, it gives me an impression of of something that I would like to describe to you. I would love to hear that description. I you said diner. For me, it conjures up more of a tavern. And then, oh, okay, and then, like a a pub. Yeah, and then it has that sort of moment of like quieting people down. Yeah, and then Ian starts off with the guitar, and for me, it really conjures up this <sighs> feeling of of a of a troubadour, you know, of a, sure. of a bard come to the come to the tavern to entertain the the people and spin his tales. Mm-hmm. And all throughout this song, I think both because of the instrumentation and the lyrics, I get this impression of this sort of dual time period where you know it's almost as if ian is describing something that has happened in the modern world but through the lens of this kind of historical 
this historical perspective, you know, as if it was happening in the 17th century. So so the the narrator is not just Ian. The narrator is is this troubadour. I think I think it is Ian who is a time traveling troubadour. (laughs) Okay, that's cut to the chase. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He is a thousand years old. His acoustic in this man. Woof. That opener acoustic is just so gorgeous, so beautiful. Just, just one more, one more log on the fire, the burning fire of our passion for for Ian Anderson's acoustic work. It's so good, and you know, it's we can distinguish it from the style that he was playing in Aqualung, for instance, mm-hmm. because the attack on the instrument is is much more. I don't want to use the word aggressive because I feel like that gives the wrong impression, but it's. Mm-hmm. It's very purposeful. It's not. It's not so much the sort of like, do 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 do. It's yeah. Like, well, I think maybe that is. I think there there's a similarity in what we said. I think in War Child is that his voice is has more purpose, more drive, and more more genuine feel to it, and maybe so does maybe that's bleeding into the acoustic. Maybe it's yeah. the same thing. Could also just be experience. That's that's true. This you is know, he's, he's got another year on him. I mean, Aqualung was what do we say? Aqualung was seventy one. This is seventy four. Right. This so is three years of writing years. a ton of music, playing touring. a ton, touring all the time. So Spending yeah, a lot of nights alone in his hotel room, playing his guitar, playing. His guitar. So by by virtue of of was it Malcolm Gladwell's five thousand hours theory or whatever? It's, ten thousand, yes. Ten thousand. Is that Gladwell? Is it Malcolm Gladwell? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I will apologize to Malcolm Gladwell personally if it is not him. <laughs> yeah, I it's, I mean he's he's we're starting to see the the hours and hours really yeah. show in his in his musical prowess. Yeah. So that leads that leads into lyrics. We're not going to do lyrics just yet. I'm going to hold off. We're going to let's try. Talk. Let's see how long we can hold off doing the lyrics before we before before we maddenedly throw ourselves into them because we can't stand it anymore. Into the the pyre. Yeah. So we get through the lyrics. The lyrics are simple. The music the the musicality is really simple through that first verse stanza, whatever you want to call it. Sure. And then in that. In the in the chorus area, we hear jingle bells. Mm-hmm. With a smile and a we hear some ripping reedy sax. And we we hear this. Uh, I I don't know what to call them. Like the bones that like wooden was... like shakery thing. I was going to point that out as well. Those things that, as you're listening to the track, you can hear them sort of go like... Yeah, kind of rattly. I Honestly, I cannot identify them. It could, it could be some specialized percussion instrument that I'm not aware of, yeah. or it could be Barrymore Barlow hitting a couple of beer cans with a, a sticky found in the woods. I, I I genuinely don't know. Either way, I would be impressed. Either I, way. I, I don't care like what that. it is. It's wonderful. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a, a washboard, maybe. 
I I think I think there's got to be some instrument out there that you just shake and it and it it makes that rattly like ratchety sound. Oh, a ratchet. I'm, a ratchet. It could be a ratchet. There are musical ratchets. Yeah. And there are ratchet musicals. I'm not sh- <laughs> We need to write the ratchet musical. I'm not sure what that means, Nick. Speaking of musicals, I'm going to I'm going to tangent oh. more than we normally tangent. Okay. Ray and I, Ray and I watched Rocket Man on Amazon Prime last night. The 1990s Disney film about the gentleman who invents a rocket pack. No, that's the oh. Rocketeer. Dang. This is the biopic of Elton John, right? A, a contemporary of Ian Anderson, Jethro Tull, so it's not that far off. It was delightful. It was very, very good. Taron Egerton, who plays who plays Elton John, does all of his own singing, and it's fantastic. Oh, how cool. He's very good. He's very delightful. And I've had Goodbye Yellow Brick Road in my head all day because of that, the musical. So <laughs> if, you've, if you've got Amazon Prime or some way to, to check it out, I would check it out. I, Ray, Ray didn't really feel one way or the other about Elton John, but she really enjoyed it and, and is interested in his music now after having watched it. Tune in to our other podcast, Elucidate Elton to Me, where we discuss further all of the music of Elton John. Oh, my God. I think he has more music than Tall, so it's... it's. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's yeah. fighting words. That's, uh, that's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, more, it was more than just one man writing the music then for Elton John. It was hmm. two men. But we'll have to start that in early 2024. So. Yes, I, I reckon. Look for that. Nick, the other thing that we hear in this track, if I might momentarily refocus our attention to the matter at hand. How dare you? Um, and speaking of hands, it's clapping. Oh. As we move into the second verse, the track track mystery sound gets replaced by a clap clap. Uh, <laughs> Italians clapping. A clap a clap. <laughs> I, I don't um, know why I missed that. I think because when we get into the second... By thoughts of Elton John. Because when we get into Trigger. the second part, guess what comes up in the second half like D's usual? D-strings. 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 Yeah. So I got yeah. distracted by D-strings. They sing of their ears And they are delightful as always. There's actually some fun stuff that they, that they do, that D does with the strings, where normally I feel like we hear her composing strings in counterpoint to mm. the melody. But here mm-hmm. for a moment, the strings actually take up the melody or a yeah. version of the melody that has mm-hmm. already been, oh, I guess maybe the, a, a solo that, that Ian has put forth on the saxophone. The strings yeah. pick it up and do mm. a, a similar, you know, the same kind of path, but a little bit different. And it's cool. It's a nice change of pace, kind of bringing the strings into focus for a moment. Yeah. Yeah, to 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 see them in kind of the main light, so to speak, I I get I. The strings particularly in this album are very synesthetic for me. And I see, I see a a summer, I see a summer hill with a breeze, a br- a bright, bright summer hill, open open top, just a nice cool breeze. I get it's so sweeping, and so 
so comforting and comfortable, you know, because when it's when that sun, that heat is beating down on you and you get that breeze, it's just it changes your your world for a moment. And I, I feel like you just get swept up with the leaves and you see the ripples of the grass flow through in that breeze with the the sweep of the strings. Strings are rampaging through the hills, destroying villages, eating sheep, tearing down forests, blasting their way into the center of the country where they will storm the castle of my heart and occupy it for a thousand years. I, you know, I, I think I, I think I should have said that instead of the... I think you did say that, Nick. You know what <laughs> it's, Swinzen it's said? It's what we all heard. Swinzen actually said a couple of things but he said that strings are the strongest part of Jethro Tull that's that's what he said yeah 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 so Nick is it now inevitable or no no do we want to talk about the funky jazz breakdown at the end oh let's let's do that let's go right into the the funk the funk jazz the faz the faz, if you will, and I sure hope that you will. So there's, it's a funny transition for me because it goes, you know, as a song, it goes from like barroom, barroom rustic mm-hmm. to acoustic rock soft to classical, classical prog medley. And then suddenly the very end is like city funk. City yeah. Street Party. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird collection, but they all kind of work together. They do. And and on top of the city funk, it, the the sax comes in playing Old Lang Syne. Oh, how did I miss that? How did you miss that? How dare I miss it? <laughs> Is that at the burr, very burr, end? Burr, 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 burr. Yeah. Oh, that is fascinating. Yeah, it, it is super weird. And and Old Lang Syne is most commonly heard in the States as the song that everybody sings at uh, New Year's. It's yes, the, I the think, New Year's Eve song. Yeah, I think we mostly slur it. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> I was like, did I, did I mispronounce it? It's a... It's a... <laughs> It's a, it's actually a, a Scotch language poem written by Robert Burns in 1788. So it's ah. it's a little little cultural reference for Ian maybe, I don't know. A little Scotch connection. And old lang syne just means like old old long since or long long ago, old yeah. times. It's basically it's living in the past, I guess. Yeah. And we also shout out to old, old Jesse Winter. I haven't haven't talked about him in a while. Yeah, old J Dubs. He, he would You're know. Well. He would know that it is the song, the final song sung at the pub sing at the Sterling Renaissance Festival. Very accurate. Probably what Ian was going for. That's I, he had it in mind, and he's like, "I'm going to put it in here for these guys." So, speaking of pubs, I also believe that it is in England sometimes sung at the end, like at last call. Oh, is it? I, I believe well, so. Well, they just, I think they just throw it everywhere. No no regard. <laughs> no. No sanctity. <laughs> but, you know, so that that could be kind of a reference for this song as well. Hmm. Okay. Well, end sure. of the night. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I like that. So, Nick, speaking of the lyrics, why don't we dive into them? I think we should. However. Yes. 
it's not in the lyrics, but it's the ver- the literal very end of the song. It is another tiny little bit of of ambient noise. It's a voice saying a name. I think it's a name. I think it's Harry Gaswick. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. As long as I've been listening to this album. I've always heard it as Harry Gaswick. Don't know what it means. Maybe it's one up, of the characters. Harry Gaswick? Have you looked up Harry Gaswick? I haven't. I don't wanna I don't wanna know what's gonna come up when I look up Harry Gaswick. Harry Keswick. Henry Keswick. Sir Henry Neville Lindley Keswick. Born in in, in nineteen thirty eight, was a British businessman. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not getting a lot. Henry Keswick? Could be Henry Keswick. You know what? It could be. I'm not ruling it out. I have a Harry Gaswick from the Seventh Ward in Galveston, Texas, in 1940, Census District 8428. Gotta be it. It's probably it. Gotta be it. (laughs) Harry Gaswick? Yes, well, all very fascinating. However, why don't we look into that, uh, those those lyrics at this point? (laughs) Yes. Ladies of leisure, with their eyes on the back roads, all looking for strangers. Ladies of leisure, with their eyes on the back roads, all looking for strangers, to whom they extend well. Nick, what do you make of this first stanza here? I think I, th- I I'm gonna I'm gonna branch overall instead of just the stanza because I think it, it it better serves the idea. Right, please do. I, I I think that this song is the other side of the coin of Queen and Country. Ah. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. I think these are the aristocrat ladies that the sailors bring the spoils back to. Oh, to have their social whirl. Yeah. That's an interesting concept. I, I'd like to offer a differing option, but also relating it to another Jethro Tull song. Okay. I feel like this song is eerily related to Hunting Girl. Hmm. Ladies of leisure with their eyes on the back road looking for strangers to whom they extend welcomes. Wow. What if this is what if this is the prequel to Hunting Girl? To me it feels like that. It feels like when you watch Two Gentlemen of Verona and you hear the speech of Proteus complaining about being exiled and you're like, Oh, this is just a, a worse version <laughs> of Romeo's speech about being exiled that Shakespeare wrote first and then he like rebooted it. Yeah. Yeah, bitching 2.0, yeah. <laughs> that was Romeo's original name, actually. Yep. But but that's what it feels like to me. It feels like it, it, it seems to be describing these sort of predatory nice ladies. I like that theory. I like that theory a lot. Well, I like your theory as well. Wow. I'll, I'll talk about your theory and you talk about my theory. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the thing is, I think they're... they're they're kind of there's there's a bit of a Venn diagram there. There's a bit of an overlap between the two. Sure. But see, see, looking at the lyrics from your from your side, that first that first stanza 
really makes me think that they fit. Right, because it has that sort of seductive, suggestive language with a smile and a glimpse of pink knees and elbows. Satin and velvet. With a smile and a glimpse of pink knees and elbows of satin and velvet. Right, right. Yeah. It, it's very reminiscent of even, even the language that's used in Hunting Girl. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, I, I in my, my cursory search for Please don't curse. my goddamn search of, of, of meaning for this song, mm. more often than not, I saw I saw articles that said the meaning of hunting girl. Like what is right. the meaning of hunting girl? So yeah. I there's gotta be some sort of overlap there. But I think it's also partly that Google's algorithm sees ladies and it's like, girl, yes. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of fails there. Yeah. But now, on the other hand, I feel like the second stanza makes much more sense for your theory than it does yeah. for mine. Yeah. They sing of their heroes of solitary soldiers invested in good health and manners most charming, whose favors are numbers numbered. They sing of their heroes of solitary soldiers invested in You know, singing of their, uh, and frankly, this verse baffles me, but I could see it interpreted as, you know, they are showing favor to those who who are allowing them their position in society by virtue of bringing back the spoils of colonialization and war. Yeah, you're saying in particular whose favors are numbered nonetheless well-intended by hours in a minute. Now that line for me is the most opaque of this entire song. Yeah. Well, I... By hours in a minute is clearly a play on by minutes in the hour. Their favors are numbered... By minutes in the hour, meaning they can only do so many in, in an in an hour, because if they if they can do one a minute, they can do sixty in an hour. Or does it mean that the favors are so delightful that an hour passes like a minute? Hmm. Whose favors are numbered by hours in a minute? Maybe. Or, or that or that they're so lovely that time ceases altogether, and and you feel. You know, you can feel like you've spent an hour in their favor and then it's only a minute that's passed. Mm, I think I have it. Please. The the number of hours that they have to put into sailing and, and getting the spoils and bringing them back and, and shipping them and hauling them in crates, whatever, their their pay is a minute of this woman's time saying, oh, yeah, thanks. Perhaps maybe it's it's a it's a return on investment to get all 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 business on you. You know, Nick. I also th- this. I was so confused by this that it actually inspired me to look up the definition of favors. Mm. I'm sure there is a 
a large number of definitions, but there can surely be a couple that we can pick and choose for this. Right. So there is in the on the noun side of things, there is uh, approval, support or liking for someone. Mm -hmm. There is overgenerous preferential treatment okay, to favor something. Yeah. Or there is a small gift or souvenir. Right. Right. Which makes me think, you know, in this sort of as Ian is playing with this kind of old timey language and feeling with this song, it, it reminds me of, you know, the, the ladies of the Middle Ages giving their preferred knight on the battlefield a favor. Yeah. Meaning yep. a scarf or yeah. a ring or something to wear into into battle. However, that I, I like that. However, I'm looking at the the subject and the object in this paragraph and it's. They sing of their heroes, of solitary soldiers. They sing of their heroes as the ladies, obviously, of solitary yeah. soldiers. Everything after that is about the soldier. Right. So whose favors, the whose are the soldiers. The, the soldiers' favors are numbered by hours in a minute. However, the favors could still belong to the ladies. Oh, initially. the favors given to them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Or it could be referring to the, the positive qualities of the soldiers. That's true, too. Yeah. See, Nick, this is just a great example of why I think intellectual and verbose minds really cotton on to Jethro Tull. There's nothing opaque or confusing about, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. You know what it's about? Very, it's... very straightforward. Cuts to the point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. you know, my, my older brother loves Kiss, right? I love, I I love Kiss. Kiss. They're so bad. They're so bad. They what what bothers me the most about them is they're like wearing this like badass, crazy, supposed to be satanic, scary makeup. And 90% of their songs are adult contemporary rock. <laughs> There's nothing. Nothing heavy or scary or satanic about them. Isn't isn't talking about your feelings the most metal thing of all? The most satanic thing. It, it just might be. It just might be, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, so finally, what do we make of this grammatical morass of the second verse? I I think I think without like structuring sentences and things, I I think it, it boils down to that the soldiers are the 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 healthy and charming soldiers get to spend a minute in the presence of these ladies the, the are blessed totally by agree. the ladies to to be there to be the ones to bring them the spoils however i do think that first verse fits really well with yours so i'm not ruling out the possibility that it could be this could be a mashup of hunting girl and queen and country almost Two different types of ladies. In the sense that Hunting Girl, that the, the, the woman in Hunting Girl is is seeking out some unsuspecting gentleman for for sexual favors, mm -hmm. that these ladies are doing essentially the same thing for economic sure. favors. Sure. And the, the the hunting girl is isn't she like landed gentry? Isn't she totally she, is. yeah, yeah, she's aristocratic, so it still fits. So it's really about capitalism. But what it boils down to is sex. Uh, wait a minute. Have we switched? 
We switched bodies, Nick? What's going on? We've switched tall skulls. I this feels so uncomfortable. Well, one thing I want to point out, you said that that the the soldiers who are successful and and handsome and healthy get to spend a minute with the ladies. Yeah. I agree. I also think that the soldiers who are selected by the ladies end up successful and healthy. Mm. It's, there is it's a cyclical. Symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Okay. So if if that that cute cadet gets spotted by a lady and is fortunate fortunate enough to be picked early on in his career, he can see that that trajectory. He'll make lieutenant by autumn. We can only hope. Well, and you know, really, in in the way that a lot of these aristocratic societies function, I'm thinking of my main experience with aristocratic societies, which is reading The Count of Monte Cristo by <laughs> Alexandre Dumas. There's all this... Reciprocity? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of conviviality between the military and the aristocracy. Sure. And so, you know, if you are born into a rich family, you get to be a general. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're... Your family pays for your position, basically. And it's totally possible to say, like, you know, and, and in The Count of Monte Cristo, there's all this business with, oh, well, I shall introduce you to Lady Such-and-Such, who is the ward of this dude who's on the French blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so it's all, like, literally at these parties, careers are made and, and broken. Ha, mostly broken in The Count of Monte Cristo because, because of vengeance, Nick. So, so then at that point it was... It was a valuable thing to to have the rich family buy your way into basically a career for life and a career of of glory, quote unquote. But you probably never saw combat and you probably never did any dirty work. Well, not necessarily. It depends, I, I think. But I think that the point that's salient to this song is that you might be able to flirt your way in to mm, favorable mm-hmm. positions sure. if you have the right approach. Or if you have the right look so and luck. I, I didn't realize how poignant or or opposite prescient Count of Monte Cristo could be, particularly in our in our present day, because now we pay for a doctor to give us a note that says we have bone spurs and then we don't have to go into the military. <sighs> I, I I had to. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to think what no, I. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. As the Count of Monte Cristo says, are there not some crimes for which even the augurs of the Persians or the stake and brands of the Iroquois are insufficient punishment? Tell me, do not such crimes exist? Another favorite quote is, my name is the Count of Monte Cristo. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's uh, <laughs> actually not that dissimilar from what he says. At one point, yeah. It's another mashup, though. So it's, 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 on, it's on theme for this week. Wonderful. <laughs> Nick, have we anything else to talk about regarding ladies? No, I, I don't think so. Well, the song, yes. All the single ladies. I think, <laughs> I think lyrically, I think we, we, between the two of us, I think we, we cleared up a lot between our two theories, to be honest. But really, this song, sure. for me, has always been about the music. 
for me, this song is all about the the uh, track track and the clap clap. <laughs> yep, which you can hear one one between the other. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what we're listening to next week Nick <laughs> what are we listening to next week here on Talk Tall to Me next week here on Talk Tall to Me we are listening to Backdoor Angels ooh mm. my favorite kind of angel <laughs> until then show us the favor of giving us a five star rating and a positive review on your platform of choice. And Omen will show you his satin, and I will show you my velvet. My elbows are so pink for a five-star rating. <laughs> pink for a five-star rating. Until like they're, next they're week. They're pink in anticipation? They're... Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I have a cream for it. It's fine. <laughs> Until next week, somehow I am still Omen Said. And I will most likely still be Nick McGill. We inevitably will be feckless moms. And this indubitably will be Talk Tall to Me. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Sailor, sailor, come, come forward, come forward. Ooh, look at how robust his arms are, Lady Gwendolyn. Ooh, ooh, may I squeeze his bottom, Margaret? Yes, I reckon he, we, I reckon we can. Let us dangle a pearl in front of him. Mm, I, I bet he hasn't eaten a good meal in a good week. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing him, I feel like I haven't either. Ooh, I would spread some <laughs> sauce upon that meat. Oh, did, did you... <laughs> Do you know what they brought back for us this time? I heard a rumor that they were bringing back Talk Tall to Me. In fact, they have. What is it? It is. You, you'll never believe it. It is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network. Mm. It must be from the new world. How exotic. Ooh, my elbows are positively glowing. <laughs> Dear God.